0: welcome to making it happen my name is tom dalton each episode will have an inspiring guest tell their story of overcoming obstacles never settling and making it happen don't forget to share subscribe and review so grab a coffee hope you enjoy the pod let's go Okay, so welcome to Making It Happen. Um, My name is Tom Dalton, and I'm delighted to say we are on episode number 53. We are flying through the episodes now. Um, And I'm super excited to have this guest on. It's someone I connected with um, on LinkedIn and we had a really good conversation and from that I I asked him to be a guest in the podcast so this week's guest is Oliver Bruce and for those of you who don't know Oliver I'm going to let him do most of the introduction but Oliver is now the CEO and founder of Pinpoint Media he also has a very successful podcast called Success is in the Mind so Oliver welcome to make it happen
1: thank you so much for having me good introduction (laughs)
0: um oliver so like what we do at most for our guests if we're to jump back in time can you just tell us a little bit about childhood growing up and education and what that looked like for you
1: yeah absolutely i'm just going to get rid of my face first of all on this but there we go Uh, yeah so in terms of looking back at childhood and growing up, I suppose it was all over the, the world, all over the country. I grew up in a, a military family, which kind of meant that I was all over the place because we kept getting posted between bases, essentially. So, as you know, you'd make a friend, you'd have that friend for two or three years, and, and then you'd have to go make some new friends because you'd be posted to another base. And I think that's partly what's helped me when I sort of started the business um, connect with individuals and people so quickly because I actually had to be able to build the rapport or understand what they wanted or who they were you know within a finite amount of time knowing that actually they could go any minute sort of thing to a new base. and and, and with that comes different schooling you know I had to go to seven different schools um, which 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 proved difficult when I went to uh, I think it was my, my fourth or fifth school I was dropped down in a year because I came back from Germany uh, and they said, obviously, you can't go into this. So you have to go back a bit because you hadn't learned uh, within the education system in the UK, for instance. So that was a little bit annoying because then my, my my peers, I suppose, um, were either younger or older than me. They weren't the same age uh, in, in my class year, um, which obviously led to, to to me kind of leaving that school because it wasn't as enjoyable Went to another school. So turbulent, I suppose, is the summary. Um, ultimately, graduating with all of one GCSE in arts. Um, and I remember really well, one of my teachers said to me, um, you're never going to get to college, let alone university. And and I look back now and I did both, um, but yeah. I didn't really do that. I then started a business through want more than anything else. And I suppose necessity, um, because no one's going to hire me because I'm dyslexic, dyspraxic seemingly. And, and one teacher says, he doesn't look overly really good in the CV, does it?
0: yeah it's very interesting and um we have one thing in common we're both dyslexic and it's it's for me now it's it's i wouldn't be here today without it so i i see it as as a key part of uh myself um oliver talk to us about your parents obviously it sounds like a military background um would they have been entrepreneurial or would it just where did that spark come from
1: uh, so none of my family have ever been entrepreneurial um, they've all been they've all been they've all been in the military every single person I was the first to to not go into the military um, and, and I suppose that's that's partly down to personality I think because having seen it and grown up in it and, and, and admired what it is uh, uh, as a kind of entity and and the individuals within it I knew I knew it wasn't for me I knew I wasn't going to be able to fit in there because being told what to do whilst helpful for some for me wasn't helpful I needed to figure it out myself and do it in my own way being as you know dyslexic you you do approach things slightly differently and I and I think and I think for me that was one of the reasons that actually going down that very straight and narrow path of climbing the career ladder be it rank or otherwise just wouldn't work because it's it's almost too formulaic um, and that was one of the reasons that, that, that I didn't join us I suppose in terms of the entrepreneurial thing um, you know yes they're they're, they're kind of entrepreneurial within what they do, i.e. they do what they need to do within their job and their career path. But in terms of entrepreneurial, of coming up with an idea and making it happen, they're risk-averse. But you're not really a risk-taker if you're in the military, are you?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Oliver, was there was there pressure for you to get into the military or were they very supportive on whatever
1: avenue you were going to go? Uh, I, I'm really lucky, actually. Parents have been very, very supportive um, ever since I was a child, albeit they're not, not, not together anymore. But you know, they, they made sure that I had schooling, for instance, education where I needed education. You know, I had the privilege of going to boarding schools, although I hated it and I left boarding school because I just didn't get on with it. There were all these options open to me. It was really me that didn't want them, if that makes sense. And I, and I suppose, and I was thinking about this the other day, to, to, to be comfortable or to be able to be a success in yourself, you have to understand who you are as an individual. And I think so many people are focused on wanting to, they're not, or have a facade, and and kind of, you know, go out to the world and pretend to be something. Really, you can only only get to a point of success or contentness, if that is even a term, um, when you are indeed happy with what you've got as an individual. And at that point, then you're able to crack on and do what you need to do. It took me a long time to figure that out. Um, at school, you know, I really didn't figure that out. I just thought I was the weird one. Whereas actually, I wasn't the weird one. I was just I just thought slightly differently, which in hindsight's a benefit
0: absolutely and Oliver what was your I suppose your first uh, business venture what what jump did you make or what did that look like
1: my first business venture was a farm shop um so I had a we, we came back to the UK we lived in the UK for about four or five years at that point but then we ended up moving to um a house outside the wire as they call it and um and it was in a village it was in a little village um and there was a little field next to it our neighbors had a little field and they were growing courgettes and carrots and onions and whatever else um got on with them really well the name was Baron and Joan and I, and I sort of said to them well why don't I sell these vegetables you know the fruit and veg that you're, you're you're growing I can sell it make a bit of money and pay you a bit of money um obviously being I think I was I don't know 10 11 at the time um I never actually gave them the money albeit I think I only made like 22 quid in a day but um, but that was my first foray into, I suppose, business. My sister ended up helping me out. Again, she didn't get paid. Slightly corrupt, but um, <laughs> it worked for me. It worked for me. But it was a lot. It was good fun. And
0: were you hooked on sales then, Oliver, or feeling the cash in your hand? Or what was that like?
1: I like the idea of making something from nothing. I think that's the reality. I think I think it's, it's, not, it's not the money. It's nothing like that. It's the fact that you come up with something or you're doing something that 20 minutes ago was in the ground, and now you're selling it to somebody, and they're going to find use out of that. And I think that is the definition of a business really. It's not going out and making money, that's a byproduct of finding something that people need.
0: Yeah. And Oliver did, so if we jump forward then to Pinpoint Media today, like yeah. how did you go from, how did you get to where you are today, basically?
1: Um, so interestingly, a lot of people think that uh, uh, we had investment in the business, and actually we didn't. It was, it was genuinely through grit and determination and, and I started at university, um, which was the university my teacher told me that I wouldn't go to. There you go. Um, still got that chip on my shoulder. Yeah, that also absolutely. Helps. Um, anyway, started at university year two, had had a business of sorts, which was pretty much just me um, running around with the camera, filming people, et cetera, et cetera. By people, I mean businesses. And we did high volume, low cost at that time. So it was three videos for, you know, let's say a thousand pounds per video, so three thousand pounds for the day. Um, which, when you break it out, makes sense, but when you actually look at it as a, as a net fee, you go, how the hell are you doing it so cheaply? But it's a critical mass economy of scale idea at the time. Um, similarly within that, we had an app that we obviously launched and put it on, which we thought people were paying for. They were not they were only interested in the video. Um, so that was how I started it, because I wanted to kind of get into the media. Completely accidentally ended up charging people for it. Um, and then full circle kind of came around to, to going back to where we are currently, which is high volume um, social content as well as high end content based on what the markets are now needing. So TikTok is a huge area that we work in, for instance, social content is a massive area. Um, and ironically, eight, 10 years ago when we first started, we were doing high volume social content. It's just the world didn't need quite as much content as we were doing. So we then consolidated
0: Brilliant, and Oliver, one thing I'm fascinated about any business is how did you get customers? Was it knocking Mm -hmm. on doors, talking to people? Like, how did that start?
1: I suppose how do we get customers? So I data mined. Um, So what I mean by that is I I went through emails, uh, sorry, websites, and I and I copied and pasted the info at email or the MV's email or the 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 accounts email or whatever it might be, Um, and I had this long old database of people on a spreadsheet and. um, and we emailed them, and this was before the times of GDPR and compliance and whatever else. It was chuck an email out and see what sticks, literally see what shit sticks, and um, and and those offers worked. You know, where you put a number on it, you go, this is how much you're getting for this price. They can see that, they can compute that. They go, that's a good deal, cheaper than anyone else. Great, I'll inquire, and then you get the inquiries and you grow the relationship again. Going back to the relationships, and you can go from there. So it really was throw the net out and see what comes in, and obviously. Now we're much more mature, uh, much more mature, mature, much more, we're more mature. That's what I'm looking for. We're more mature. Uh, and, and and our marketing strategy is totally different. But um, that's how we started it.
0: And Oliver, you mentioned the word relationships there. Um, I know at my business, it's probably one of the, it's the key things of how we get, I suppose, repeat customers and customers yeah. coming back. Just talk to us a little bit of how important, I suppose, in 2022 relationships are
1: for you relationships have always been important i think they became really important during the pandemic i think people be it in business or in personal life understood the value of a relationship and when shit hits the fan as it did for so many then and as it's starting to do now for for so many people with regards to inflation and such like the power of relationship is, is almost invaluable because people are there to help you um and if they can they will for instance you know who your friends are uh, in, in a disaster situation like that um, and again, your friends are built for relationships. So for us, we now have account managers. That was one of the key things that we put in place uh, at the top of the pandemic was making sure that we had account manager, uh, managers in place to build and look after and ensure our clients were either doing what they needed to do or things were being paused because they needed to be paused, for instance. But um, you can't build a business without building relationships.
0: And Oliver, was it, was it difficult? A, a lot of people we talked to maybe growing, they can find quite challenging. Um by the sounds of things, it was you running around with a camera doing some videos. Now we look, you have multiple offices, multiple staff. How did you find growth?
1: Growth, growth is growth is difficult specifically as an agency, right? I mean, you come into business depending on what you're doing, it depends on how you find, to find growth and scale, I suppose, because actually if it's a D2C product or a SaaS product, scale and growth is a little bit easier because again, it's an economy of scale. And you don't need to have uh, uh, a huge amount of people to be able to grow that. Whereas with, with what we do, obviously, you're selling people's time. So actually, you need to have a, a high volume of individual to be able to actually bill them correctly. Um, because if you haven't got them, you can't bill them. So to scale, there's an element of either hiring before the curve or hiring after the curve. If you're hiring before, you have to make sure you've got the cash in the bank to be able to do that. If you're hiring after, you need to make sure that you can service the client in the run up to and hire the person in time for it, if that makes sense. So, Really, really tricky to scale an agency without investment. If you've got investment, you've got a bit more headroom. But as I said, we've never had investment. We've organically grown this whole thing. um And yeah, scaling is really, really difficult. When you get to, uh, you know, seven to ten staff as an agency, that's when the pain starts to come about. You get over twenty, that's when it really starts to become quite a bind. But again, you get to that point where you have a little bit more headroom. The bigger you get, because the accounts become bigger, the retainers become bigger, and at that point, it becomes slightly more exciting in terms of actually you can do a lot more because you've got a lot more people you have a lot more brain power which means you have a lot more ability to sell in concepts so there's a weird tipping point but it ain't easy um, and I don't think it ever will be easy because we always always push the limits of kind of what resource you've actually got.
0: And Oliver on that do you like do you love managing people or bringing new hires in and getting them to develop is that a passion for you? I am
1: shit at managing people. <laughs> in, in all honesty, uh, I, I I have a really good business partner called Fergus, who's also the ops director, and he, he he's incredible at managing people. Full stop. And I think partly because he's worked in he worked in O two uh, before joining us, and 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 he was managed himself. Equally, he had an events or, or an experiential events business when he was younger before he joined our business um so he's had experience firsthand of what it's like to be managed by a bad manager and how to and how to manage people i suppose so so he does all of the hr and all the management in that sense alongside um uh, other other individuals in the slt but in terms of do i get enjoyment out of managing people not necessarily but do i get enjoyment out of seeing people grow within the organization absolutely so you know it might not necessarily be anything to do with someone that's uh, uh, b- below me in terms of my line management point of view but actually seeing them within a team come in at a certain level and grow to another level, that's what I get a huge kick from.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. It's it's the one thing I know I've cha- I've been challenged myself with is seeing that grow and taking staff and people on. It's just our team members. I like the word team members rather than staff. But mm-hmm. as you say, I think you need the right people around you to grow. Um, Oliver, one thing I'm big on, I don't know if you just... Me being dyslexic, I'm very visual orientated. I have whiteboards all of my offers. It's goals. I I try to be very clear. Is that something you'd you'd use in your day to day being visual?
1: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I um I write everything down, so I always write write, write things down in my notepad. For instance, I've got a big whiteboard opposite my desk. Um, I have a, a digital whiteboard, if you will, as well, which is kind of like a sort of to do list online. So wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I've always got somewhere that I can put something down because. You, you're probably the same when you're running a business, you come up with so many ideas, some are shit, some are brilliant, um, most are shit. Um, and actually, you've got to make sure that you remember those, but you have the capacity to be able to do other things. So by writing them down, that's me kind of getting rid of it and being able to move on to the next thing.
0: Yeah. And Oliver, from the, from you talking, you, you sound very driven and you've obviously created a, an amazing company that is continuing to grow. But has there been a highlight so far, on your journey that stands out to
1: you um has it been a highlight i think every you know every 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 year there is a specific highlight that one could pull on depending on where they are at that point so for instance the highlight a couple of years ago would have been getting through covid for instance the highlight last year would have been looking at opening the london office which we did the highlight this year for instance will be expanding and having what what have we put 15 or so staff in the london office in the last nine months we've got the Cheltenham office, which has now been, been grown out, We're still hiring. We've won some of our biggest ever contracts. We're talking to big blue chip brands now. So you know, it's a point in time where you go, is there a highlight? And yes, there are always highlights. But I am really bad, unless I'm on a podcast like this, and actually looking back at what that might be. And until you ask me what has been the highlight of this year, I won't have thought about what the highlight this year would have been because you're just on to the next thing. You never sit down. You never actually go, that was fucking brilliant. I'm pleased we did that. We've absolutely nailed it. You go, good find done next, and that—that's one of our biggest weaknesses as a, as as a, as a type of individual as an entrepreneur. You never do that.
0: Yeah, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast, and you have a podcast, and one of the main words is success. Um, for me, I success, but the meaning of success always changes. Do you have a definition for what success looks like for you, or is it always adapting?
1: Um is it always adapting? I suppose it was always adapting. Is it always adapting? Now is another question. But up until the point that I got to, I suppose. So 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 let's just let's dial that back a little bit. So five years ago, success for me would have very much been scale, you know, scale and noise in the industry and becoming a voice. You know, that's what I would have metric myself on, or the business on, or whatever, and gone, that's great. Now I look at it and I go, success is being able to grow a business that is able to run itself and give the individual that came up with the concept of freedom to do either other things or to be able to make that business even better. So for me, I define success through freedom and through ability for things to be autonomous and run their, on their own, which has taken a long time to build this mm. business to a point where it can start to run on its own. But, but, but for me, that's a big tick in the box. Um, and your perception does change, but I think I'm fairly comfortable on that being the definition of success for me.
0: And Oliver, has your role changed throughout the years of Pinpoint Media, like hiring staff, keeping clients on board, gaining new clients? You're mentioning blue blue chip clients. Has that been challenging
1: personally? Um, yeah, what's been really challenging is when you start it, you have to then do the payroll, you have to find the staff, you have to do the sales, you have to do the you know literally doing everything within the business when you're when you're first starting, and actually. It's like that, depending on what industry you're in, of course, it's like that for us for the first 18, 24 months, really. Um, Yeah, granted, I I hired two people whilst I was still at university, one to do the editing and one to do um, a bit more of the sales with me. But fundamentally, um, as an owner that that, that runs the business, you are always gonna be invested in doing the sales, looking at the clients, looking after the clients, seeing them, being the person that goes and, uh, and takes them out, for instance, alongside the team members because you know the value of it. You, you are so much more invested in it as somebody with genuine skin in the game who's started it with literally nothing more than grit and determination that you don't want to see a small client go. You don't want to see a big client go. You don't want to see any client go. And, and you will do anything you can to make sure that they stay. So my role has changed in terms of management because I used to have to do all of that. But in terms of the client side, I'm very much involved still in client side and seeing individuals, be it brand or, uh, or agency.
0: Yeah. And Oliver, we, we've been everything we've talked about so far has been very unpositive, I would say. Is there anything you I suppose dislike about business or running
1: a business? Um, the lack of sleep is fucking annoying. Um, but other than that, no, no, there's lots of things. There are lots of things. Business, you can't go into business and you're gonna have an easy rise. If you're gonna go into business and you're gonna have an easy rise, just give up and go and get a job. Cause you're not. It's going to be one of the hardest things that you will ever do. And I haven't had children and I haven't got married, but I imagine they're also probably up there with things that are pretty difficult. Um, but it ain't any easy ride. It is a lifestyle. It is a way of life. You will have to make sacrifices and you have to understand what sacrifices you're willing to make. And if you're, um, if you're willing to give up uh, weekends or if you're willing to give up your evenings or if you're willing to say no to a holiday this year because you haven't got the cash, then you need to do that. But some people haven't the ability to do that or want to do that. And that's fine, but it really is aware of life. It, it can control you, and you have to be aware of that.
0: Yeah. And Oliver, I suppose, if probably two parts of this question, what's next? Like you're talking about London office, Cheltenham office, Pinpoint Media seems to be growing. What's next for Oliver, and what's next for Pinpoint Media?
1: Mm-hmm. So I suppose uh, uh, what what's next for me is interesting, and it wasn't really intentional, but off the back of the podcast that I've started doing, We'll be doing for a year and a half now. I've been asked to do a few speaking events. So there's some exciting things next year that we've got in the pipeline, which I can't fully say yet because I haven't finished them yet in terms of confirmation. Um, But I'm doing a lot more talks, so that's really exciting. In terms of investment, looking at investing in scale-up startup brands, so there's a few brands that I'm talking to that I'm interested in because I think they've got quite good legs. They've only been trading for about eight to 12 months because that's the most exciting part, I because um, you can get in nice and early and help them out. Um, in the same industry a good, or a totally different industry? Totally order? different industry. Totally okay. different industry. Um, totally different industry. I, I like the idea of being an angel. I like the idea of investing in brands and businesses. For me, we haven't ever needed it. We've done it organically, but I could see how much it would have sped us up if we had, you know, if, we, if we'd had three, four, five, six, seven hundred thousand 700,000 quid given to us in year three, we'd have been able to halve the amount of time it took us to grow. Um, and in terms of scale up startup businesses, giving money, be it Five thousand, ten thousand, twenty—whatever that might be—it will make a difference to that growth and to that scale. Um, you know, and I can't wax lyrical about having done that because we haven't done that. But I have seen businesses that my mates have run um, get investment, get investment early, and absolutely nail it, and it's made the world a difference. So for me, a big passion in, in startup, scale up, and investment in that sense. Um, a lot more speaking events from a business point of view. We're still scaling. We've got a lot of a lot of work to do still. I'm really excited and really interested in the world of Web3 crypto and what that looks like. I'm into crypto personally myself. Um, But in terms of scale, hiring better people than me, basically, Um, um, because I don't know it all. uh, And and they are far more qualified than I to to work directly with our clients.
0: And Oliver, probably one of the questions I ask most of the guests on this podcast is um, when we see a business with a bit of growth or they get a bit of cash, would you... Would you just explain how important, I suppose, reinvesting that into yourself, maybe as education, or into the business, or how important mm-hmm. that is?
1: Hundred percent. You know, I don't. Uh, I still make sure that staff are paid before before us. You know, and it's not at the point where we have to uh, make sure of that. But in, in terms of from a mental point of view, we always pay the staff and then we pay ourselves se- se- secondly, um, just simply because that's the way that, that the payroll sets up. But in terms of in terms of setting up a business and reinvesting. You have to do that. You have to make sure that you're either putting your money into the business and you're not taking it out to drain it, or frankly, it's a lifestyle business and you're accepted for that. You go, great, I'm going to live through the business. And those are those are small micro businesses. You won't necessarily be able to scale them or grow them or or sell them for for lots and lots of money. But my God, lifestyle businesses are really important to so much of the economy. You know, it could be a really small hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand pound turnover business. And you're just putting things through it. You're living through it. You're running your life through the business. That's okay. That's great. That's fine. Um, but in terms of reinvesting, if you haven't got the want or the inclination to reinvest, then in all fairness, it's probably not going to work um, because you're going to be too greedy and it'll just fall over. Um, equally, when you get investment, for instance, you have to map all of this out anyway. So you have to have the p and You have to have the strategy. You have to have the salaries. And you can't just take all the money out as your salary. So there are ways of metricing and measuring that.
0: Yeah, interesting. Good advice there, Oliver. Um, I'm going to fire some quick fire questions at you. Um, how do you manage success?
1: How do I manage success? Um, I always... I always... Um, sorry, can you hear a, there's someone? At You're okay. It's signs. all good. You've got me, you've got me there. Okay. Um, how do I manage success? There you go. Uh, I always have goals. So I always have goals. They might not be goals for the year. They might be goals for the three, four, five-year sort of periods. Um, But I will always make sure that I get to that point. So, you know, when I was 18, I had a goal for when I was 25. When I was 25, I have a goal for when I'm 30, which is next year in May. Um, Will I get there? I don't know. But um, that's how I manage success and metric success.
0: Brilliant. Um, What's the biggest lesson you've learned in life so far? Listen, and don't be scared of fucking it up. simple short to the point advice I like it um (laughs) one of the questions I asked Oliver is just around regrets do you have like is it is that something you put in your vocabulary or do you do you think about regrets or do you what's just your thoughts um
1: I don't I don't I don't think about don't think about regrets I think about how I might have done something differently so I wouldn't look at it and go that's really annoying um I regret making that decision it's the wrong decision I will look at it and go. We made that decision we made that decision because of this reason this is how we should have maybe dealt with it in hindsight um that that would be i would never regret anything because if you're regretting uh, uh, things within your life then it's a little bit depressing and i try and stay as positive as possible because you know it filters out to individuals and to people if you're if you're depressed and negative a lot of the time people around you will be depressed and negative yeah
0: absolutely um What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten or is there a quote that you kind of stick by or live your life by?
1: Um, There's lots and lots and lots of quotes, I suppose. Um, I, I've, I've, I've sort of got my own one, which seems to have come to fruition over the last couple of years, but um, there's never really a good time to start a business, but in business, you should always have a good time. And, and by that, I mean, don't go into business just to make money. And when you are in business, make sure that you're having a lot of fun in it basically, um, because there is absolutely no point in putting in 10, 12, 14, 18 hour days. If you're not enjoying it, just sack it off and go and do something else. You have to have fun, but you'll never know when the right time to start a business is. You just won't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's no perfect time. is not the, the big saying as well. You know, there's no perfect time. Um, last couple here. If you could have a meal with any five people dead or alive, who would they be? With any
1: five people, dead or alive, I think I would have the Queen. That's very apt. I think I'd have, I'd have, I'd have dinner with the Queen. Uh, I think I'd put Elon Musk in there. I think that would be fascinating. I think I'd probably pop Barack Obama in there. I think that would be really interesting as well. Churchill, I think, would be fascinating. Um, uh, and just for a bit of banter, maybe chuck in Michael McIntyre. Just nice. to lighten the evening up a bit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the comedy aspect, though, I like it. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, just, yeah. Very, very good. Cheers all um, well. And is there any hacks, podcasts, or book recommendations you'd recommend to any of the listeners if they're maybe thinking of starting their own business or just to help them personally?
1: Yeah, I can give you a podcast, obviously. That's a very easy one. Uh, I give you my podcast, Success in the Mind, available. Actually, I don't know when this airs, but... I'm assuming it's going to wear in the next week or so. So yeah. available on all Virgin Atlantic flights internationally on the in-flight entertainment, available on Spotify podcasts, available on Apple podcasts, anywhere online, type it in, you'll find it. Uh, and then a book I'd recommend is Agency Nomics. Might not be relevant to people that aren't in uh, agency or the creative sphere, but it helps you get the business methodology in place to take it from zero to 5 million. Um, and actually the logic behind it, it, it is transferable into a lot of other businesses that are service-led or people-led. Um, fascinating read. Not a long book; you could read it in a
0: you know a week. Brilliant. Well, listen, Oliver, we've 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 flown through that, and thank you so much for your time. And as I say, it's great being networking with yourself. I'm sure it won't be the last we connect. And um, where can people stay connected with yourself and find you?
1: You can find me on LinkedIn, um, Oliver Bruce. Type that in. You can check me out on my website, OliverBruce.co.uk, um, or you can have a look at my business, pinpoint pinpoint-media.global Type in the Bruce Entrepreneur and I'm sure something will come up. Brilliant. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much.